All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you all for being here. And today we got a very patient, <laughs> a very patient uh, uh, guest tonight that has worked with me around all of my uh, uh, issues. And so I want to I want to present Paul with Taconic Distilling. Yep. Thank you. So so how's it going, man? It's good. I'll give you a little brief history. Okay. Myself and the distillery and what we're up to. Uh, we are beginning our 10th year this year. Okay. So there's a there's a good survivor survivor uh, bias in this business of staying in the fight every day. Um, this is a second career for me. My background uh, was working in the investment business on Wall Street for 30 plus years. Uh, I am married. I've got three grown daughters. We raised our kids in Greenwich, Connecticut about 15 years ago, 14 years ago. We bought a 120-acre farm, an old beef farm up in the Millbrook, uh, New York area, kind of the Hudson Valley. We're about 90 miles north of New York City, so it's not the boonies, um, but it's still very, very rural, and uh, which is very, very nice. Yeah. Um, whiskey had nothing to do with, with, with me buying this property. After about two or three years, we had all the space. And I said to my wife and she said to me, you know, we need to do something with all this property. We just can't leave it. And we thought about doing animals, horses, cows, this and that. Uh, for whatever reason, started growing corn uh, for some agricultural guys. One thing led to another. We got into the whiskey business in uh, 2014. Okay. Uh, at that, I mean, we, we definitely kind of, we, we were not early on the wave, but certainly Got um, got it and been and been riding it ever since. Um, we're in I don't know we we got as high as maybe thirty states. We keep kind of backing it down to focus on our core states. Uh, got caught up growing too fast. You know Colorado, California, Oregon states that are. Listen, it's great to be in them, but uh, you know it's kind of a one and done thing. We'd much rather focus on the East Coast. So that's where we are. We're um, we're ten years in. Uh, I think we're the biggest um, bourbon distiller in New York State. We oh, do wow. our own products. We also make a fair amount of stuff for other people in New York State. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That was a great little, uh, great little summary there. Um, one one of the things that intrigued me that you said. So you were you were growing corn on your farm, and then you just yep. decided, hey, we can make whiskey out of this as well. So, so well, that, that's, that's yeah, pretty yeah. interesting. It's it's certainly more profitable than farming, um, yes. and and tastes a lot better than corn. Absolutely. So we probably I mean we still grow corn on the property. We probably I think last year we get between ten and twelve tons mm -hmm. from what we grow here. All of our grains are from New York. So if it doesn't come from here, we only do corn here. Um, we're getting it from farms within ten miles. But oh, we wow. we go through about uh, four thousand pounds of grain a day. So what we grow on property, we burn through pretty quick. Yeah. So 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 with with the grain that you that you guys grow on property, is that like a special release bottling or something that you do just to showcase the grain that you have on on site? No, we we, we mix it. I mean, there's a little bit of grain and every, a little bit of our property stuff in everything we do. Oh, okay. okay. But nothing nothing special with a certain run, just from property grain. Okay. Okay. And and you only you're only doing corn, you're not doing the barley or wheat or anything like that. No, at some point we'll probably start rotating the fields. Uh we we need to start working on that and put down. So I don't know what we'll grow next year, but we'll put a winter wheat in next fall. 
Okay. The corn really hammers the soil and we, and we need to get better at managing that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Corn, corn can be a tough crop if you want something else in there because it just kind of, it kind of takes over um, and messes with the soil quite a bit. Um, so how is the, how is the climate up? I mean, you know, being in, in New York state, the, the climate must affect your, your, uh, your barrels, all of that stuff. How do, how do you, what do you do to kind of, do you have a climate controlled warehouse or you just leave it to the elements? Now, nothing is climate controlled. We have a rickhouse that is that is uh, attached to the distillery. We also built an additional, so that, that one I think can take 400 barrels, like a traditional rick. And then we built another one a couple of years ago that takes 2,500 barrels and that is full. Oh, wow. And that's more, more of Home Depot racking with four by fours. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more efficient and certainly was a lot cheaper because during COVID lumber prices got crazy. Yes. The third rickhouse that we just started to fill can take 6,000 barrels. I also have 12 shipping containers, what we which we used initially because mm -hmm. we didn't have the huge building until 2016. So for the first couple of years, we immediately ran out of space, got shipping containers. Um, and I think it's a fantastic way to age because not that you can cheat the, the aging process, but the heat transfer in the shipping containers is the best I've ever seen. I mean, if I were to bring you up and open one of those doors in August, you could not walk 20 feet in that thing. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a, I mean, the angel share is very, very pungent. Right. Right. That's, yeah. that's, in that's of, in terms of the climate, nothing is, nothing is climate controlled. All the buildings are dark, a very dark, not red, but kind of a hunter's, not a hunter's green, but a hunter's purple or mm -hmm. red um, or black. And right. one of the guys brought it up on a podcast in terms of the climate here versus Kentucky, mm -hmm. New York on an annual basis is one degree colder than Kentucky. What? So it's, it's kind of a dead heat. Um, our winters might be colder, so our summers might be hotter, but it's only one degree uh, difference. That's crazy. That, that I mean, you would think, I mean, you're not that much further up, but I mean, you would think, I mean, you always hear how it's blistering cold, uh, you know, in New York. So, I mean, that's yeah. kind of, <laughs> that's kind of the thing. Yeah. So that that's really well, interesting. I, I was kind of, I was surprised that, that it was, it was so close. Yeah. That's, that's nothing, nothing is, no, nothing is climate controlled. The dark, the dark coloring and the fact that they're all metal buildings, mm -hmm. they retain a tremendous amount of heat. Right. Right. Well, I, I know for, for, personal experience i'm i'm in texas and so uh in central texas when they use those shipping containers they have to actually put airflow fans in them because yeah. they will get too hot and they will start uh you will have you know 70 percent angel popping. share by the time that they'll start yeah. popping and stuff like that so i i i'm pretty familiar with the uh shipping containers but yeah the fact that that they can they can with they can hold all that heat in them it's it's a pretty pretty amazing thing, and they're fairly cheap. I mean, especially when you're starting out, they're fairly cheap to hold to hold uh, barrels in. So that's that's a good uh, good thing to yeah. The price, to have the price is going. I think we were buying them for out of Port uh, uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey, for at twenty two hundred delivered for a high cube mm -hmm. forty. I think the prices have gone up. Yeah, but I can get sixty six barrels in in one of those, and if I used four inch racks, I might even be able to go three high. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But it's That's tough awesome. to get the food. Yeah. Where are you in Texas? Um, I'm in central Texas. I'm actually uh, about an hour away from Austin. 
All right. I was just, I was down uh, deer hunting in Laredo all week. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Not close to Laredo. <laughs> Not close to Laredo. I, I, in my previous life, I had an office in Austin for 15 years. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, but yeah, I mean, so, okay. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. So I guess let's, let's, uh, what is your, are you using a, uh, a hybrid still, column still, uh, typical pot still, what are you, or a mixture of both, all three? Uh, so, so we, when we bought, when we built the, the building, um, we went down to Louisville and met with Vendome. We have a Vendome uh, 30 foot, 12 inch diameter column with a doubler. Okay. So okay. we, on, on, a, on a six hour distillation, we get about six 53 gallon barrels a day. Holy guacamole. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a day's work. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, some of the big guys, obviously they're doing, you know, hundred, hundred barrels a day or something or more than that, but. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're doing, they're doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, let's, I guess, start at the beginning. Um, when, when you were thinking about doing the whiskey, was it just, just a, uh, means to an end or were you passionate in whiskey before, uh, before that, or tell us a little bit about that. No, I mean, I mean, I would, uh, you know, I would, I would say I back then until and up till today. Uh, I mean, I'll drink anything. I won't drink scotch anymore now that we have a bourbon distillery. <laughs> okay. And, and, and torture people that that drink scotch. But no, so in my previous life, we looked at a business that had an opportunity to do an alcohol angle. So I spent a fair amount of time. This is probably 2012, looking at the alcohol business. Uh, we ended up not doing that transaction, but it kind of had me thinking about okay, this is a you know this is an interesting business. Um, three tier system makes it very very difficult and painful, mm -hmm. and I probably wish I'd known more about that ten years ago. But it was literally it was a business opportunity, yeah. and you know there's there's a huge benefit. I'm 59, turning 60 this year. There's a huge benefit to starting a business when you're older. I mean, A, you've made a lot of mistakes and hopefully learn from them. The biggest thing I did before we did anything was read a lot of books, not, not on, the, on the chemistry of it, but about the history of bourbon and its relationship to the United States, but also visited, not, we, we, we've done the bourbon trail, been to Kentucky, but also visited a lot of smaller mid-tier guys. Mm -hmm. And my number one question to people is, not not what did you do that made it go right is what were your mistakes learn yeah. from your mistakes yeah and yeah. you know at, at, at 50 years old when we started it you know i've got some money in my bank i was successful i was fortunate and you also have a rolodex so you you're bringing a lot of life's experiences whereas if i was 25 years old i'd be banging my head against the door yeah not that yeah. i'm not doing it now but i'm trying <laughs> to get better i'm trying to make less expensive mistakes as i get older Absolutely. It's it's always good to have people that you can call on if even if it's not related to the distillery or anything, maybe if it's a uh you know a uh you know a, a question about taxes or something like that, you always got somebody you can you can lean lean back on when you have that experience. There's a lot of these new and upcoming distilleries that these people are fresh into it that yeah, they brewed beer for a couple of years or whatever, they're fresh into it, and then all of a sudden they're like 
they have no idea what they're doing. Their stills too small. They're they're not they can't keep up with production. Like I I see it over and over again. And then you get the other ones that they buy a you know thousand liter still and they think they're gonna make be able to produce a hundred barrels a day and they don't have the manpower for it or anything like that. So so yeah, it's it's nice to have that rolodex of people that you can turn to when you really need uh need somebody to to help you out on that. Yeah, we've got a good community. I mean, when we started out, people were very helpful to us. And I'm also, anyone that calls, uh, I'm happy to spend my time with them. That, that's cool. Okay, so let's let's dip into um, a couple of your offerings that you have. Um, and so you're particular, you're specifically doing bourbon, that's correct? We do bourbon and rye, and we did um, a, a big run of single malt a couple years ago that's now four years old oh okay cool cool so we don't I mean i don't push that as much mainly because you know we want to be known as as bourbon but we do rye um and then we came out we've done several batches of a weeded bourbon mm -hmm. kind of swap out the the rye for a um a winter wheat and then uh, chocolate malt instead of the malted barley wow wow okay that's cool. Yeah, no, uh, I think, well, it's been like this for a while, but, you know, uh, we did, we did whiskeys are having a resurgence again. Um, and so like, there's more and more people out there chasing the weeded, weeded bourbon. So yeah, I can see how that would be a good one to, and, and the bad, the bad and good thing about having a, a whiskey distillery is you have to kind of be ahead of the curve. You got to be like, Hey, in, in four or five years, we're going to, we're going to need to have some rye whiskey out there. Cause there's going to be people that want it. So that's a, that's, that's another thing is being a little bit ahead of the curve. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, 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 our bourbon offerings, not the weeded are uh, six years old and our rye is seven years old right wow. now. So actually I put the age statement back on the bottles. Okay. Either through neckers or stickers. Okay, and and on your rye, uh, what percentage of rye um, are you putting in it? Is it a all rye, one hundred percent rye, or we, we do kind of you know between ninety and ninety five percent rye, and then the rest malted barley. Okay, okay, okay. Just so it's, it's natural fermentation. Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna have some good uh, some good spice notes and stuff like that, or or it's what some people perceive as spice notes. I get. Uh, on a lot of the what we call 95 fives or whatever uh, which the when when you talk about them you're talking about mgp obviously but but when, when i when i have those i get more of like a spearmint or something like that so i don't really get that rye characteristic uh that a lot of people do but that's just me so um, and then our bourbon our bourbon mash bills are 70 25 five so okay. it's still a high rye portion uh which i'm a big favorite of yeah and yeah. Uh, and the rye drinkers like it as well that that's and so are you um what was i going to say so so when you uh are you doing different barrel entry proofs to get uh different notes because i know a lot of the guys in kentucky and stuff like that they do low barrel entry proof so that they can get more of the the wood sugars and stuff like that but then here in texas we we have to do that as well because we know it's going to spike and then we'll have hazmat bourbon or whatever out there which people are all about but um it also you get three bottles out of the barrel and that that's not really profitable so uh what what's your normal barrel entry no, we, we, we've um since day one we put it in at 125 okay okay so you're doing just a standard 
125. Okay, cool. Yeah. And and, and have you know what what a what a Laura, I mean for have I would to be I would like I don't know how long I would have to keep it um in one of those containers to get hazmat. Normally we'll put it at 125. Proof drops right away because of the moisture in the wood. Mm-hmm. Takes about four years in our current situation to get back to entry proof and then they go up. So I think oh, the wow. highest barrel pick we've done is 129 proof. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. So I mean you're getting some you're getting some rays and proof, but you're not you're not getting the you know 140s and, and above. So that's that's good. So um what was I gonna say? I forgot, I forgot what so are you just uh with the other horn that you're getting from the from the other from the other people, um, is it just uh standard yellow dent or is it are you using any uh, heirloom corns or anything like that? We we just started playing around the last couple months with some heirloom stuff, but that mm-hmm. won't be available publicly for you know four years. Yeah. But no, yeah. it's just the no, it's your normal feed corn. Okay. Mill it up, get those, you know, get after those starches with some yeast. <laughs> All right. That's 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 good. That's good. So so it's really interesting. Um, I saw I saw that you guys have a uh, bottled and bond uh bourbon as well. Um, and then I saw that I actually have, I meant, I meant to get it to show everybody, but I forgot. Uh, I have the cast strength version, um, which I actually okay. found, I actually found here locally, which was kind of amazing to me. Cause I was like, man, you guys got it pretty, like you were talking about distributing earlier. I'm like, man, y'all got a pretty good distributing. If y'all can get away over here. The specs are total wine. Um, I think it was total wine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, you know, cause they're normally pretty good about getting more, I, I hate to say the word craft, uh, you know, not, not big box guys. They're normally pretty good about getting those, but, um, cause I was looking for, you know, the, the, those mid, mid, what we call mid tier, uh, bourbons. Cause those are the ones I, I enjoy. And those are the ones I like hearing their story from obviously, you know, the big ones, they have a lineage, so that's a little bit different, but yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, um, so on your. I haven't seen your rye in the store, which that doesn't mean anything to me. But um, and and that single malt is really intriguing. Obviously, I'm I'm a Scotch guy, but I'm I'm actually I drink everything. But you know, Scotch is kind of like my home. So um, so yeah, the single malt is kind of intriguing to me. Is it um, is it one of those? Uh, just uh god two row barley or are you using any uh adjunct grain in like uh, like you said a car adjunct grain so, so so technically it would not it would under the current definitions it would not be uh an american single malt because we use some other stuff in there as well oh okay okay that's cool that's cool the people i mean we you know we've got some chocolate malt in there some goodies yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's all just to tweak out a little bit more flavor, because really when you get like distiller's malt or something like that, it, it's really kind of it doesn't have a whole lot of flavor there. It's really just to create alcohol. I mean, you can, you know, maybe make it work, but it's uh, you really need some of those adjunct like a crystal or or a chocolate malt or something like that just to give you a little bit more of that, the you know, buttery notes or something like that. So. That, that's yeah, like, really... Well, I guess the big benefit of, of the single, of the, the stuff on this side, 
of the ocean versus your your traditional single malt, we're using new barrels. Yeah. So that's a, you're going to get a lot of flavor and a lot of color right away. Yeah. Yeah. Have you um, have you thought about doing any in used barrels or no? So that we we've played around with the finishes. Um, <laughs> you probably won't see any of those in Texas. I mean, in terms of the bourbon finishes. Um, the one thing that we have that's a big deal is we've got a straight bourbon whiskey that we finish in Japanese Mizunyora casks. Oh, wow. Those are very difficult to get, and we toast them, not char them, so we can use it a couple times. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done the straight bourbon in Caribbean rum casks, Cabernet casks, which is our number one finish. Um, we've done port, stout. We've done the rye in Madeira, but... A lot of those, you know, in terms of it's a lot of skews. It takes up a lot of shelf space. Mm -hmm. um, you, you might, I would much rather focus on our main products, and I prefer those myself versus all the finishes. But the finishes are becoming a big deal nowadays. They, they really, they really are. They really are. And um, yeah, because I mean, everybody's literally everybody's finishing, which is fine. I mean, it does create a good product, and it with some distilleries. Your, yours not included uh, with some distilleries it helps to mask the off flavors that they have in their distillate so that's that's always nice too so you know um i i've seen that a lot especially in texas distilleries uh they're doing a lot of finishing because you know they have young grain with you know this young young bourbon and you know they got to get it out of the barrel and they don't know what else to do with it so they'll finish it and it's not really ready you know it needs a couple more years but they they got to get it out of the barrel it's going to get over oats so you know it's just one of those things but but yeah no that's that i think that's going to soon kind of go away i mean i don't know this i'm not on the on the front lines of all this stuff i know i know enough about it but like i know that like it had a big insurgence and now it's kind of tapering off and people are going back back to the you know the core brands that everybody's out there looking for so yeah i mean so, that's, you, you only you only got so much shelf space and i would want to i would prefer to have that for the core brands instead of rotating your finishes because you get a finish that doesn't sell the retailers less is reluctant to take the next one so I just prefer your bourbon, your rye, um, and then we have a, a double barrel maple bourbon, which is our number one barrel pick and a huge seller for us. Oh wow! Wow. Those are the three SKUs that we want to we want to have those those in as many retailers as possible. Right, right. And so, so you're saying that that like we you were talking about earlier with your um, you know, with your outreach, you want to try and maybe stay on the the East Coast a little more. Uh, because once you once you get to Washington or Oregon, you sell you know a couple of a pallet or whatever, and then they're pretty much done with you. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, it's also the, the I mean, pretty much not the entire East Coast, but call it you know New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts. That's the biggest market in the world, yeah. and I, I can drive all those places in a day. So you know, I always say the next three salespeople, four salespeople, I would have would be in that market. The next biggest market, you're talking Southern California, and you know you got to get on planes, this and that. And I just want to stay in markets where we can kind of have that protractor effect, where yeah. the first, you know once you build your brand, the next state, the next state, all contiguous states, versus jumping all around. Absolutely, yeah. You got to kind of have a 
uh, you you really got to have a good reason to go all the way to California just to sell a couple couple cases of whiskey. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Yeah. Well, you can sell sense. you can sell it, but it's difficult to work that market. We don't have enough people or enough right. of a ad budget to work those markets. So I'd much rather work the markets. And if someone comes here from New Jersey, you know, they can buy in their home state. Someone come here comes from Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. It's in their home state. Right. Someone comes here from, you know, Chicago. We're not in Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, the distillery and, and I'm guessing you have a tasting room and all of that stuff uh, there. Tell us a little bit about that. And if you have any, like, you know, drink, I know you have drink specials, but like, um, do you have like uh, barrels that you have specifically for your bar and stuff like that? All right. So I'll, I'll address that thing. We um, we're all, like I said, we're on 120 acres up here. We have a tasting room and kind of a retail store um, as part of the, as part of the distillery. Also, right outside, we've got several picnic areas, patio, fire pits. So in the nicer weather, pretty much the the, the spring, summer, or fall, uh, winter, it gets a little bit cold. We will have food trucks and live music every weekend. Oh, wow. So that kind of gets rocking. You can come. I mean, we've got, first of all, the nice thing about this place is we have every single one of our products. So we're always stocked. Um, okay. We got tons of swag. We also do, we have a huge uh, bourbon barrel aged maple syrup business. Okay. That's where we kind of get the maple bourbon. That is a huge business for us that we kind of lucked into. We do um, coffee as well, coffee aged in bourbon barrels. Okay. Uh, we're also allowed to sell anything made in New York state. So I can sell New York state beer, wine, hard cider type of stuff, along with soda and water, family friendly, dog friendly, um, the cocktails that we do a lot of are a maple old fashioned, a rhyme Manhattan, and then um, you know we've got we will do Negronis and stuff. But those yeah. are the two big cocktails that we go through. Our number one cocktail is the maple old fashioned. I Cute. I I can bet I can bet it sounds it sounds amazing just just hearing about it. So uh, I I love then, it. I love then, a good old fashioned. So in the summer we'll do. Um, Rum old fashions. So we have oh, okay. a, we, we, get, we get rum out of Florida, bring it up here, age it in our bourbon barrels for four years. And the summer we'll do rum Negronis and rum old fashions. If you haven't had a rum old fashioned, try it. Wow. With like okay. a Mount Gay type thing. Not, uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Not like They're fantastic. Huh. Okay. So that, way, that way you can drink brown liquor all, all year round. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, I do that anyway. So it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, but okay, wow. Well, I would say that pre-COVID, we did a lot of tastings. During COVID, everyone went to cocktails, and it's never turned back. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you do you do tours and stuff at the at the distillery as well? So the tours. I mean, if somebody wants to book it, well, first of all, I tell people the the time you want to see it is when it's working. Mm -hmm. All right. So on Saturday and the weekends, we're not running. You can, if there's, if it's not busy, you can kind of walk around. Someone will give you a little tour. You can sign a barrel. But if someone ever wants to come and spend an hour, I prefer that they call and then and do it that way and see it in operation 
as opposed to, the, you know, this is what happens here. This is what happens here. They can taste the white dog. They can see how the whole thing working. And we, we, um, we cook and distill five days a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's all. Awesome. And so, and so in your, in your distilling department, cause I know you probably have a marketing team and a front of house and all of that other stuff uh, in your distilling department, how many, how many people do you have uh, back there in the back? Four. Four. Really? Okay. And they're and they're they're able to pump out that much that much whiskey. That's pretty awesome. That's that's a yeah. well-oiled machine right there. That's crazy. And everyone and and all the guys know how to run everything, which is which is a huge benefit. That's a big deal. So if one well, guy's out in yeah. distillation, I, I joke with the guys. I say I don't pay you to distill. I pay you to fix problems. That's <laughs> yep. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yep. The still runs itself. You just got to watch it and then fix yeah, whatever is wrong with it. And this is and this is always a, this time of year. You always got to watch out because I mean, the, you, you you got you know water coming in, water going out, steam coming in, all that stuff. So when you get the extreme temperatures up here, we always got to be be wary of that. I mean, everything's running, but you get a crazy cold. I'll go in there and guys are thawing stuff out. That's where you got to watch out for. Yeah, that's not that's not what you want to do first thing in the morning. The cooling tower looks like a um, frozen waterfall some days when you get the cold weather. That's not good either. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. And then what we do, what we do with, I said, we go through about 4,000 pounds of grain a day. We've got a separator where we separate the grain. It comes out looking like a wet sawdust. And then the water goes into a, a, a different um, a different vessel. And we feed 200 beef cows a day. Oh, wow. With that spent manage. So you don't distill on the grain? No, no, we do. You do. You do. Okay. Okay. That's coming yeah. off the still. Sorry. Yeah. Got yeah. It. So we're running, we're running that mash. It looks like oatmeal. We'll run it down, mm -hmm. taking the alcohol out. The spent grain is getting separated from the water. And it, it looks like a, it does look like a wet sawdust. Yeah. That's, and that's the animals. The animals love it. Yeah, it's easier for them to eat. It's broke. It's broken down already. It's a little sweet. <laughs> Why wouldn't they love it, right? They love and you it. got and you and you got it. You got enough there to make everybody happy. So, and I'm sure the the you know the the cattle ranchers or whoever's taking it. I'm sure they're they're more than happy to take it off your hands. And you need to get rid of it anyway. So yep. why not? Yep. And, and, and maybe. And we have we have ham we, we don't have to worry about getting meat. Yeah, that's that's the other thing I was gonna say. You ain't gotta worry about finding a finding a cow if you need one. That's yeah, that's funny. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. Okay. Barter. Yeah, yeah. Bar bartering is a big deal. It's a big deal. Do uh helping helping everybody out. All right. Well, I can't think of any other questions that I had. I'm trying to think real fast. Sorry, sometimes my head still. Uh, still going through this, my head kind of get blank blanks out on me. Um, one other thing, there was one other thing I was going to ask you, and I totally forgot what it was. Okay, so before before we go, um, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, tell everybody where they can find you, uh, a website, or if you're on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, uh, okay. let them know that, and then um, I'll try and remember my question. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so on, on on Instagram, we're on Instagram under Taconic underscore underscore distillery. 
and then on Facebook to Connick Distillery. In terms of where to buy it, the easiest, instead of trying to give states and distributors, uh, although that is on our website, is you can buy direct off of our website any of our products. Oh, We've got really? a retailer that ships. I don't know what the number is. It's not all 50, but ships anywhere okay, um, cool. within cool. a couple of days. So that that has been a huge benefit to our business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I remember what I was going to say. So I'm glad we got through that part. Uh, now everybody has that. Um, where do, Where's the name Taconic come from? So the, it, it takes the name from geography up here. So okay. there's, a, there's a park, a north-south parkway that goes up to Massachusetts that is called the Taconic State Parkway. It is, it is the most dangerous road to drive on in New York and the most expensive because the people get a lot of tickets. But it's very, very windy. Um, no, no lights or anything. But it's also there's the the Taconic State. Um, there are the mountains. There's the lake, and it's also if you spell it funny, it's an old Indian name from up here. Okay. So when we started, we want to kind of have the geography of New York. Awesome, awesome. And that's that's how we came up with the name. And you have a uh, what is it? A bird dog on the on the American fox American foxhound. Foxhound. Okay. Okay. I knew it was something like that. Um, and so, so you guys, if you ever, if you'll, you'll see when you see it in the store, you'll know exactly, uh, exactly what you're looking at. So, all right. I think that's it. Unless you have anything else. No, listen, I appreciate, uh, you, you making time in your schedule to get me no. on. No, I appreciate you, uh, uh, answering all the 500 emails that I sent you. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, just keep, uh, keep me posted on all the, the new stuff you guys got coming out and we'll go from there um, and stick on real fast. I want to talk to you, but um, yeah. So hopefully you guys like this and um, you know what I say, as always keep your spirits up. <laughs>